Hill, pass complete. Hoffman, first down across the 40 to the 42. I thought he gave us a chance right till the end. Hill back to pass. Looks for Hoffman. Chucks it for Cody. What a grab. 31-yard field goal try from Sorensen. On third and There you yard. go. Travis Wilson is stuffed. Hill back to pass. Throws for Hoffman. He dives to the goal line. Ball slip from the 30. Still on his feet. Into Utah territory. Foslev with one more to beat. Down to the 12. Hill down the middle. Intercepted. 0-4. That's, that's how I'm Yes, I, I'm glad that uh, we play on Friday this week and uh, we need to get ready to go and we need to get better. Oh, responding to undeniable disappointment how Cougar football rises up after a fourth consecutive loss to arch-rival Utah. Trevor Maddich, 1984 national champion and current ESPN college football analyst, breakdowns, breaks down the rivalry during another Maddich Monday. Plus, Brian Logan of BYU TV tells us where the improvement begins now and the status of Jamal Williams. Will he play this Friday? This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. It is Monday, September 23rd, and the sun came up again, BYU Sports Nation. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Jerem Jordan, wherever and however you may be listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. An emotional time to be a BYU fan, no question. An incredible week for BYU athletics uh, in general, but the undertone is... Another loss to Utah, Jeremy. And I would call it the overtone after all is said and done of uh, BYU losing another game to Utah and a close one that BYU brought itself back into. BYU played okay and still a play or two away from winning this game. Lots of moments that stick out. I think in fans' minds, the one is the no call and the last play of the game. To me, it didn't come down to that per se. There were other moments where BYU could have excelled better, the first of which is 30 incomplete passes for BYU, and we'll dive into that with uh, our guests on today's show, Trevor Maddich and Brian Logan, as you mentioned. But disappointing. Disappointing that BYU has lost four in a row to Utah, goes into the two-year hiatus with this. We'll have to wait three years till the Utes come back to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And uh, Kyle Van Noy, Cody Hoffman, Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, 0 for against Utah. That's that's a bummer. Yeah, Kyle Whittingham, the head coach at Utah, uh, was very quick to point out in his press conference this senior class never lost to BYU, and they will always remember that. And you just heard Daniel Sorensen say, 0-4. That's how I'll remember it. And uh, that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to take, no question. 14 of the last 16 decided by a touchdown or less between these two. BYU created that at the end and had an opportunity to get that a little earlier uh, and did not do so. Uh, and we'll talk about it in a moment, BYU's ineptitude in the blue zone, as BYU calls it. But that... It's frustrating to go one and two. And BYU fans are used to this. Bronco Hall has had several 10 or 11 win teams, three in fact, I believe, start the season one and two. So this is a, this is a familiar feeling through three games for BYU fans. The difference is, can this team do what those teams did, which is reel off a long string of victories? The schedule is significantly harder this year than it was in those. There's, there's not Colorado States and New Mexico's and Wyoming's to go through now. Uh, Houston and Georgia Tech and... Uh, you know, Idaho State, those are probably the three weakest left on the schedule besides Middle Tennessee coming up on Friday. But at Utah State, challenging. Wisconsin, Notre Dame, at Nevada. So there's, there's some challenging games left on the schedule, and BYU's got to rise up and answer the bell Friday. 
A friendly reminder, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network 980. You can also catch the show on demand every afternoon on BYU Radio's YouTube channel. That's how you listen, and this is how you join the conversation. Send your tweets to at BYU Sports Nation, and take some time and vote in our daily poll question. Good one for you today at BYUTVSports.com. After the loss to Utah, where do you want to see the most improvement out of this BYU team? Passing game, offensive line, blue zone production, or create more turnovers? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, Jerem. All four? Uh, for me personally, right now, I, I'd have to say passing game. I think that if BYU can be better there, I think they're better in uh, blue zone production. I think that turnovers won't matter as much if BYU has a better passing game. It starts with the offensive line, um, which we'll get into a little bit as well. Uh, but I think if if Taysom can complete more passes, which he had 30 incompletions, he's throwing at a 35% clip right now. Uh, BYU has a if he completes five more passes against Utah, depends on the situation. BYU probably wins that game. So 35% unacceptable. Those are running. That's that's like a running back playing quarterback kind of numbers. Taysom Hill is capable of doing better, but he's got to show it. It's been three games now. My friends, vote on BYUTVSports.com. Again, after the loss to Utah, where do you want to see the most improvement out of this BYU team? Passing game, offensive line, blue zone production, create more turnovers. All of the above is not an option. So uh, get on, voice your opinion. It's now time to rise and shout. It's time for what's trending. Topic number one, offensive woes. When you struggle on first and second down uh, with where we're at in our offensive stage, uh, you, are, you are, are getting beat up front. BYU Offensive Coordinator Robert and I talking about the struggles, and they were struggles, from his offense. And there's no way around it, Jerem. I mean, if you're going to do go fast, go hard, you have to execute at a high level. We're not talking about tons of yards after catch. You just need completions. You need consistency. Get first downs. Yeah. yeah. Incomplete passes in that offense, incomplete short passes, are a killer. Yeah, and and there were there were drops. It's not all Taysom. It's not all Taysom, but it's mostly Taysom. Let's, let's not beat around the bush here. And BYU's got to do a better job. You've got to catch the ball. You've got to score when the opportunity presents itself. You've got to block. You've got to be effective. And Robert and I Address that at length in the post-game show. Well, we lost the game because uh, we weren't effective when we're running the football. Uh, Forty-seven rushes for about 180-something yards, and then uh, you tack on the negative yardage. That's clearly uh, we're getting way too much volume with way little production. It's not about the number of plays you run. It's about what you do with them. I think Utah ran 60, 67 plays or something like that. We'll look into that and get the specific number. But they, they won the game, and BYU was up near the century mark. 95 plays for BYU, 68 for that team up north. 68 plays, Utah wins 20-13. to 13. It, There's no point in going fast if you can't execute. And that's – Robert and I knows that, and that's the point he's trying to make. We have too little production. Um, and – 
you know what? For the fall, for fall camp, the emphasis was get plays off. Obviously, you want to execute. But the emphasis was let's go so fast that we catch them off guard and that the execution becomes a little easier because we're having the defense off guard. We haven't seen that maybe to the degree that I think BYU hoped it would thus far. There was a illegal substitution on Utah that's free five yards. But you're hoping that someone's not covered and you get a quick strike and you get a 15- or 20-yard gain on a drive as a result of this. We're not really seeing that as much from BYU's offense. Yeah, and that's where teams like Oregon just don't, don't make mistakes. They, they just execute at the highest level. And that's what BYU ultimately wants to do. And a lot of pe- the, the vision that Robert and I has is our offense will be unstoppable once we get to that level. But we're going to buffer this frustration across BYU Sports Nation now with the understanding that this is still a young quarterback. He only made his fifth start. Uh, he is primarily a runner, as we have seen. He, his strength is definitely in the running game. But now teams... Are going to do exactly. They're going to look at Utah and say, "Okay, that's the model right there." You know, if we if we can hold him to around ninety, a hundred yards rushing and make him throw thirty incompletions, we're going to have a great chance to win the game. Yeah, and and Taysom still had a good uh, game rushing the ball. He gained a hundred thirty yards, and then you look at sacks uh, and rushes for loss, thirty one. So he ends up with ninety nine. But he. He's not going to be a traditional BYU quarterback. He's not going to throw for 300-plus consistently. In fact, uh, I wonder if he throws for 300-plus in more than two games this year at this clip. Uh, I don't think it's going to be this low. And if it is this low for a while, there's, there's going to be a change. Um, but Robert and I addressed the fact that BYU is a young group after the game. I do believe these are signs, uh, extreme up and extreme uh, down production type deal. A sign of a young group. That's what we have. That's what we're working with. I remember in fall camp, Robert and I saying, it's going to take, he said, I want to say four, four to six games to really see what this offense is made of. And I thought, man, that long? It's going to take that long? We're seeing that right now. We've had the Jekyll and Hyde of Virginia. You can toss it up to, chalk it up to weather or whatever. BYU's offense, 16 points. Uh, Texas, whoa, 550 rushing yards, crazy. And then it went back down to Utah. And you know what? Against Middle Tennessee, it's going to go back up to Texas-sized proportions of offense. Middle Tennessee gave up 503 yards of offense to a now 1-3 Florida Atlantic Florida team. Atlantic. BYU will have 500-plus yards on Friday against Middle Tennessee. So you're going to be, BYU's going to come away out of that a winner. 2-2, two and two, yeah, and then you go into Utah State, and that's the litmus test on this team. What path does BYU go down? Do they do they go three and two or are they two and three and it feels like twenty ten? I think the most frustrating thing is when you do enough to win and you don't, those losses are really hard to and take. And to Utah, the worst. That's the worst. Uh, statistically BYU on paper was was better than Utah. They they, they outgained them. Uh, their third down conversions, while not great by any means, were better than Utah, who, by the way, was one for 14 on third down conversions Amazing. and won the game. <laughs> they were one for 14 on third down and won. How opportunistic. And that, that's what I'll say is Utah, when they struck big, they really hit it hard. Uh, their, their two big plays resulted in points. And BYU making five trips into the blue zone, which we'll get into later. And uh, only scoring 13 points. Yikes. That leads us right into topic number two, Blue Zone Blues. 
we had the ball um, four downs from the 10, I think, 10-ish yard line. I mean, that's got to be converted. Bronco Mendenhall after the game. Looking at BYU's uh, play chart, so I'm seeing five different drives that ended in the blue zone. In the first half, BYU got to the Utah 16 and missed a field goal. Justin was, Sorensen's first missed field goal. That was big at that point because it's it's uh, it's six nothing. So it'd make it six three. And BYU fans wanted the Adam Hine kick return, and of course the flag came out. Lonnie Fu yeah. on that. I still haven't I still haven't seen the the hold or lack thereof. So you missed a field goal there. Okay, that's the first half. In the second half, you have four drives inside the blue zone. At the Utah 14, field goal. At the Utah 12, field goal. So at least you get points out of those drives. But you needed a touchdown in one of those because it was 13 nothing at that point. So 13-6. Then BYU gets the ball down to the Utah 7 and turns it over on downs with 9.44 left. It's 20-6. to BYU got the ball in great position off a 58-yard punt return from J.D. Falsoff. If BYU scores a touchdown there, there's... Nine-ish, eight-and-a-half minutes left, and it's a one-score game. Instead, it gets pushed to later. BYU scores a touchdown with 5.13 left of the game. Their first touchdown in four opportunities in the red zone. And then, uh, or sorry, that was the fifth. That was the fifth and final red zone opportunity. And so BYU, uh, Gregor Bell uh, on BYU Radio mentioned in the postgame, points available. So Utah had four trips. Uh, you know, for a possible 28 points. They got 20. And they got 20. BYU had a possible 35 and got 10. Wow. You had opportunities. BYU moved the ball and was in a position to score. But they're still figuring out what to do in the blue zone. It doesn't look like there's a guy or the. it doesn't look like BYU's confident in the blue zone of, okay, we know what we're going to do. We're going to go in there. We've got these plays. We're going to score. We're going to do this. Part of it, Jamal being out. Was a big deal. That hurt BYU in the rush game. He hadn't been fantastic, per se, up to that point, but he's your main guy uh, rushing the ball, and he would have been helpful in that. But BYU, five trips, and you only get ten points. Now enter topic number three, thoughts and prayers for Jamal. Obviously, we, we feel for Jamal. Uh, he was down for a long time, and uh, our hearts go out to him. I mean, he's he's a guy that carries, carries our team, uh, especially on the offense, and gets things going, and he works really, really hard, and uh, we were all scared for him. BYU safety Daniel Sorensen on Jamal Williams after the game. And thankfully, we have learned that after a, a pretty nasty concussion and stinger, Jamal is okay. It looked really, really bad for about 20 minutes, and then they carted him off, and somehow you got to regroup and go play football in a rivalry game. Really difficult to bounce back after you see one of your brothers go down in battle and go down hard. Yeah, Kyle Van Noy, I read his lips. Um said, Jamal, we love you, you know, and at that point, football is his fifth, um, or whatever you want to say that's not first. Uh, so the, uh, oh, we should add, he was released, Jamal Williams was released from the hospital yesterday, and he is day-to-day, so like we all are. So we'll see if he plays Friday. If I'm BYU, uh, I take every precaution to make sure he's good. You, BYU does not need Jamal Williams Friday. They don't need him to play. If he can play, that's great, but... If not, you're saving them for the Aggies. Yeah, it's not imperative. You have enough talent in the backfield for Middle Tennessee between Adam Hine and Paul Lasique and Michael Elisa, who's now getting more healthy, who scored a touchdown, the only touchdown against Utah. There are enough weapons in the backfield, plus Taysom, 
that you you don't have to rush Jamal Williams back. And the coaches understand that better than anyone. And plus, this is the game where Taysom needs to throw really well. I want to see I want to see sixty percent plus from Taysom in this next game against Middle Tennessee, a team that gave up three hundred plus against Florida Atlantic. This is the game for Taysom to get back in the passing groove. He's had three uh, tough opponents to start, and now you have Middle Tennessee, who's got some talent. But this is this is a game that Middle Tennessee is going to have to play their best game to have a chance. Uh, against BYU. And later in the week, we're going to talk with their quarterback, Logan Kilgore, a fifth-year senior, and Rick Stockstill, the head coach here on BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, Rick Stockstill, a really uh, gracious guy. I think uh, you'll really enjoy getting to know him on BYU Sports Nation. Now, very quickly, I did want to add this to the Jamal Williams uh, twist, Jerem, and that is, if there was something that put life and football in perspective, it was certainly him going down. I mean, crickets, 63,000-plus, and it was dead silent. And rightfully so. I mean, at that point, what's happening in the game just becomes almost irrelevant. And, uh, you know, so for Jamal to go down, uh, I will say this about the Utah fan base. They were, there was a lot of social media traction uh, when Jamal was announced that he was coming out of the hospital, he was doing okay. A lot of Utah people responding and saying, you know, as good as it was to win, it's more important that Jamal Williams is okay. Very complimentary of him and his game. And so it was good to see some sportsmanship. And in a way, it kind of buffered the rivalry and the win. So as tough as it was for BYU to lose, the fact that Jamal is okay, in a way, at least to a degree, makes it okay. It makes life okay. Does, yeah, that, make, does that make sense? Yes. And it's nice that Utah fans did that because during the prayer, they were cheering and hollering, which was obviously a sign of disrespect, regardless of religion and regardless of side. It's like, really, you can't be quiet for a few minutes? It's easy to when a guy gets hurt to do that. It should be easy when BYU's saying a prayer to be quiet. Yeah, Just uh, saying. Speaking of prayers, one of our colleagues in the media, Scott Gerard, said that uh, during his sacrament <laughs> meeting, somebody prayed for Jamal Williams' health and his family, <laughs> which is just fantastic. That's just fantastic. Classic, uh, classic LDS move. That, that was in Tooele, I believe. <laughs> really quick, uh, Jerem, let's uh, get to uh, a tweet or two, and then uh, we'll be back with more stuff on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, our question uh, is, after the lost Utah, where do you want to see the most improvement out of this BYU team? Updated poll results look like this. 54% passing game followed by blue zone production, offensive line, and then 0% create more turnovers. Let's read a, a tweet or two. Keep them coming at BYU Sports Nation. At GoCougars3. Most improvement needs to be in throwing, catching, and blocking. Also, no more holds on kickoff returns. I, I noticed this, too. Adam Hine has had a kickoff return of 40-plus in each game, all of which had a flag on them. And, and a couple of them which were well away from the play, which makes it doubly frustrating. Yes. And then uh, another tweet. At SNW Bound, offensive unity. It's obvious the players are against each other as a unit. I don't agree on that. I don't think they're against each other. But I think there needs to be more on-the-field continuity. There's a difference between being buddies and having chemistry and actually executing the plays. Simmer on those thoughts coming up on BYU Sports Nation. What does Brian Logan think is unacceptable with the BYU defense, as good as they've been? You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation on the home of the BYU Cougars, BYU Radio. BYU Radio. 
Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Joining the show right now is BYU TV analyst and former BYU defensive back Brian Logan. Brian, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. Nothing much. Thank you guys for having me. You know, it's uh, always interesting loss, especially a really emotional one to Utah, the fourth consecutive. Where do you begin your analysis of what BYU needs to do uh, on this day, Brian? Uh, I think, um, you know, you got to look at the offensive side of the ball um, and you got to make your adjustments there. You know, defense, they, they played a great game, um, you know, but uh, offensively they just got to gotta tighten up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I would – I would have to say that, you know, passing the ball is, is probably the biggest issue that, that BYU has. Um, you look at the game and, and you can see on, um, you know, certain formations, um, you know, spread-like formations that, that Utah still had, you know, eight guys in the box. And, and that just said that, hey, you know, we're not, we're not scared of your arm, uh, Taysom. You know, we're, we're more scared of your feet. So, uh, you know, if, if BYU can, can figure out a way – uh, to get the passing game going a little bit more, then um, you know I think potentially they could be unstoppable. Brian Logan joining BYU Sports Nation. the The frustration comes not necess- well. It's from the fact that BYU lost, but it's because BYU didn't play very well, but was in the game, and just a few, a, just a couple of plays could have turned the tide. What was the difference in your mind Saturday for Utah's win? Yeah, um, that, that's always the the worst thing as a player. You know, I, I say it all the time. I, I rather I rather lose by you know a hundred points and know that I just got my boat whooped than uh, lose by a touchdown or a couple points and uh, you know know that uh, I could have done one or two things to to win the game. Um, and I think that that's just exactly what happened. I think I'm more on the defensive side of the ball because I'm a, a little bit more critical as a, as a defensive defensive player. Um, you know, I think just the big plays that they gave up. And, and you got to look at the, the cornerback uh, position. And, you know, the first two games, it, it really wasn't an issue. Um, you saw a little bit of, of an issue in, in, during the Texas game, but, uh, you know, the BYU offense just took that game over. So it really wasn't a big deal. Uh, but you saw a little bit more this, this, past, uh, this past weekend uh, with just the cornerback play and just the deep plays and the deep balls and, um, you know, lack of uh, of guys being physical and and, and tackling. Uh, so I think I think if they address that um, and 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 stop the big plays on defense, I think that puts the, the offense in a little bit more position to win. Uh, because you got to look at last year and 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 it, it's it's almost like the Ravens defense in the past, right? Where uh, if the Ravens defense can 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 hold a, the opposing offense to maybe ten you know, uh, points, 13 points, 14 points, that gives the offense a little bit of, 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 a, of more of a, a chance to, to win the game. And I think that's something that the defense has to um, kind of take in mind as well, is that, hey, you know, I know our goal is to hold them under 24 points, but let's bring it down a notch and maybe let's say let's hold them to 14 points just so we can, we can put our offense in a situation uh, to be successful. The defense has played – oh so well, and it's a continuation off of 2012. They've given up 19 against Virginia, loss. 21 against Texas, win. 20 against Utah, loss. Is it going to take, do you really feel like it's going to take BYU holding uh, the benchmark 
to 14 for them to be successful and win eight games and get to a bowl game? Well, I mean, going going back to the defensive mind, I've, and I've been on, on teams where offenses has, has struggled, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you are a team, but – you, you you have to say as a defensive player that hey you know it, it's 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 very rare for us to to score a point you know so we have to rely on our offense and and we have to put our offense in a situation to be successful so you know at this very point at this moment if if BYU continues to struggle the way they've struggled against Virginia the way they struggled against Utah uh, this past Saturday then yes the defense is going to have to step their game up um, and and you take a look at the San Diego State game last year in, in uh, the bowl game, and you look at the defense performance of, of Kyle Van Noy and, and the turnovers and even scoring points, uh, and, and I think that really helped uh, BYU and, and just the momentum and the offense, um, you know, took some pressure off of the, the offense. And I think that's, that's kind of – it looks like that's the way that BYU is going now. Now, if, if the offense can uh, find a way to, to get the passing game going – then I, I don't think BYU is going to have to hold teams to, to those 14 points. But to get in the red zone as, as many times as BYU did uh, on Saturday and not score and come up with only you know 13 points, that, that's a huge issue. And I agree. That, that's the frustrating thing is that BYU was right there and didn't do it. It's not that BYU can't get first downs. They got it going in the second half. They scored, but were unable to punch it in. And another take on this. Instead of 14, it could still be 20, but like you said, create turnovers. I've got BYU down for the following through three games. The BYU defense have forced one interception and one fumble recovery. That's just two turnovers through three games. Brian, what does BYU's defense do to create more turnovers? That's kind of the next step with this with this defense. Yeah, and that's I mean that's just that's just unacceptable. Um you know, and especially with with how the offense is 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 playing right now, and there just has to be more of an emphasis at practice. You know, um, uh, guys have to practice a little bit more of stripping the ball, and uh, guys definitely have to. You know, these these corners and even these linebackers have to do a better job of when they get their hands on the ball to make sure that they're bringing it in. So if they have to get on the jug machines, or if they need to. Um, you know, practice a little bit more on 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 ball skills and catching the ball um, during the individual periods during during practice, and that's what they need to do. Uh, maybe Coach Mendenhall needs to come up with a uh, a certain structure uh, in practice to have a little bit more of, of of that emphasis of of turning the ball over. But if you look at the past couple of games, um, especially, uh, you know, on Saturday, uh, I think there were about four or three dropped interceptions. And, and I mean, you, you talk about getting those, maybe two of those or, or one of those, and, you know, the BYU offense, again, is in better field position. Um, you know, potentially can come away with maybe three points, maybe seven, just depending on a few things. But, um, you know, that's, that, that they've got to – they have to get a handle on that. And, and – I know when I was playing, um, you know, it was obviously an emphasis, but there was really nothing that uh, we did in practice um, to really help that. So uh, I think I think the, the coaching staff has to sit down and think of a few ways uh, on how they can make sure that's the number one priority for the defense. BYU TV analyst and former BYU Cougar Brian Logan joining BYU Sports Nation. Brian, I thought it was really interesting when I was talking to Daniel Sorensen post-game as part of BYU's uh, game day recap on BYU TV. He didn't 
tell me anything about the offense. I asked him a couple of questions that dealt with the offense, but he said what you what you brought up, and that is we had opportunities to create turnovers, and we didn't come through. Speaking of Sorensen's maturity and his leadership, do you feel like the defense is in the right mindset, or or do you feel like they need to kind of go talk to their offensive uh, buddies and say, hey, let's pick it up? What, what do you, what's your take on that? <laughs> you know what? Um, with, with BYU and, 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 and Daniel and uh, all the players, uh, you know, he's a key captain of the team. Um, they're going to say the correct answer, you know, when it, when it comes to getting interviewed. And, and that's just the way that, that we're coached and what we're taught. You know, during camp, uh, fall camp every year, uh, we have a few play, past players. We have the media uh, come in, and, and we're trained on what to say and what not to say. So a lot of the answers are going to sound good. Uh, however, being in, in that position, um, you know, in 2010 when the offense struggled a little bit and, um, you know, defense was playing good, uh, it's definitely frustrating. Uh, you, you know deep down in your heart um, that, you know, you played uh, as, as, as good as you could and, you um, you know, you, you did all you could to, to, to win the game. Um, you understand that, yeah, it's a team effort. and, and um, But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you are kind of frustrated at the other side. So I think, you know, being in that position where, where we were in 2010, we just said, hey, you know, we got to step our game up. Obviously, you know, our brothers on the other side of the ball, they're struggling. Um, so, you know, we got to do what we can do. Uh, to help them out, if that means score points, if that means hold our opponents to you know under 14 points or under 20 points, then then we have to very well do that. Brian Logan joining BYU Sports Nation in the second half. Uh, Taysom Hill found Cody Hoffman and found him often. Uh, is that something that we should expect going forward here? That since Taysom has struggled through the air, that he does rely on Cody Hoffman more from the start of games. Yeah, and you know Cody. Cody did a fantastic job, and the thing I love about Cody is that he's gonna he's gonna go out and he's gonna perform regardless of who he's playing, um, whether it be a top team, um, you know, like uh, a Texas or a uh, a bad team like a New Mexico State. So he's always somebody that you can rely on. Um, what I think was was gonna start to happen is if BYU continues to struggle, um, a lot more of double teams on Cody. Um, which means uh, there's a lot more opportunity for other guys uh, to, 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 to make plays. But I think something that uh, BYU and Chase Hill has to, to do is, is uh, target the tight end a little bit more. Um, you know, we saw Brett Thompson uh, have a couple more catches than, than what he did over the past couple of games. And, um, you know, he looks a little bit more confident in, in uh, his ability and, you know, didn't really have too many drops um, as he did before. So I think that's going to take a lot of pressure off of uh, Taysom Hill. And, and you look back at, at all of uh, you know, the past couple of years with, with Coach and I and how that tight end position has really been used and, you know, Andrew George and, and Dennis Pitta. Um, you know, I think BYU has to, to go back to that. And, you know, going back to uh, targeting the tight end, um, taking that pressure off of, off of Taysom, uh, getting his confidence up a little bit more, those quick, easy throws over the middle, which he's more than capable of doing, I think then you'll start to see a little bit more of the, the downhill passes, uh, the deep balls to Cody. And I think that was free up Cody as well. 
uh, and some of the other guys. So targeting the tight ends is, is something that they need to focus on. So, Brian, your insight into this tight end game, uh, is this perhaps uh, maybe a hint into where your Y factor is going to be on Friday? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I thought about it for a while, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking uh, I might have an offensive player. I'm not going to say it right now because, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want you to take it. You know, I don't want Yeah, don't jump the gun. Or anything. You know, I, 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 don't want, I don't want anybody to take it. Um, you know, I started thinking about it, but I, I think I might have to switch over to the dark side and uh, and pick an offensive player. So, sorry, uh, David Nixon, but I think I'm going to have to do it. <laughs> Brian Logan referencing uh, his uh, analyst counterpart, David Nixon, also a former BYU player. And uh, just for the record, Brian, would you would you please tell everyone who won the Y factor against Utah? You know what? I am going to be very, very humble about this uh, next statement, <laughs> and uh, I am glad to announce that you, Spencer Winton, uh, were was correct on Saturday and uh, in, in picking JD Falsliff as uh, your Y factor, and you won. And um, you know, I've been giving you a hard time these past couple of weeks uh, about it. And, you know, I told you that you would be judged. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Judgment <laughs> happened. Yes, and, and and you did a a fantastic job, man. You uh, you picked the right guy, and uh, you know JD played a fantastic game. Uh, one of the, the the players that played with a lot of passion and, and a lot of emotion. Um, you know, uh, going to be fun to see how he finishes the the year. But uh, you 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 did good, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you, Brian Logan, taking the high road. I can't really trash talk that. I, all I can say is thank you. Just wait till Brian wins. You'll hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we're, we're tied right now. Out of everybody, we're, we're one and one. So, uh, you know, you got one, I got one, and everybody else is irrelevant right now. So you are my competition. <laughs> Good stuff. Brian Logan, thanks for the time, my friend. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Brian Logan joining BYU Sports Nation. Always, uh, always gives a... Uh, Fun interview, and uh, we love him on the pre- and post-game shows on BYU TV. Check him out if you uh, haven't before. Uh, and uh, I believe we're on the air at 8 p.m. Eastern, Friday night. Let's get to some of the uh, tweets on our poll question, which is, uh, after the loss to Utah, where do you want to see the most improvement out of this BYU team? At Cougar Sports Fan. Strong opinion here. Hill needs to be benched and start Olsen. I don't see any improvement in the team. And that's knee-jerk reaction. Uh, I mean, Jekyll and Hyde. Hey, after the Texas game, no one was calling for his head. So after one game, Taysom's the guy right now. I mean, it's, it's he's not passing the ball well. We're not trying to cover that in any way, shape, or form. That's got to improve, or or this will happen. It'll happen in a couple games if it stays like this. Yeah, Ammon Olsen will get a shot if it, if it doesn't change. But right now, Taysom's the guy. Yes. One more. How about at ride for my Niners? I'm guessing he's a San Francisco 49ers fan. How about an offensive scheme that fits this team's personnel? Go fast, go hard would work if we had someone fast. And you're going to get strong opinions after a loss to Utah. Yeah, and the fast part is not the players. It's the tempo of the plays. So, yeah, it would be great to have fast guys, but BYU gets a certain kind of guy, and that's not the same as what you're expecting out of Oregon and Arizona. It's the tempo. Up next, ESPN's Trevor Maddich tells us why the struggles in the passing game are not all Taysom Hill's fault. Who else needs to step up? Trevor tells us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
Hey, this is Johnny Harleen, and you're listening to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Thank you, Johnny. Welcome back to a Monday edition of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio with Jerem Jordan and Spencer Linton. Follow the show at BYU Sports Nation as well as at Jerem Jordan and at Spender. Spender? Who the heck is Spender? (laughs) Your wife, she's the Spender. At Spencer underscore Linton. Uh, Tomorrow on the show, Blaine Fowler. Later this week, Jeff Benedict, author of The System, the new college football book. Uh, You'll You'll want to hear that one. Uh, Logan Kilgore, quarterback for Middle Tennessee, and Rick Stockstill, head coach for Middle Tennessee. Thanks, Jabum. I mean, Jerem. <laughs> Spender. <laughs> Trevor Maddich is an acclaimed ESPN college football expert, college football live analyst, and member of the 1984 National Championship BYU team. He's back for another Maddich Monday and will be so for the duration of the college football season. Trevor, it's not exactly fun to dive inside a fourth consecutive loss to Utah, but where does the priority list lie in terms of BYU getting better now? Well, there's only one thing they really need to get better at to turn everything around, and that's the passing game. I mean, the offensive line is what it is. They're rotating through a lot of young guys. They won't be perfect, but they'll be fresh and they'll fight hard. The problem is that BYU still can't complete a forward pass with any regularity. I mean, they are getting better. In the opener against Virginia, they completed 33%. The following game against Texas, they completed 35%, and they were 37% against Utah. So at this rate, in about three years, they'll be average. So, so at least they're heading in the right direction. And it's, it's not all Taysom Hill's fault. You know, there were a lot of dropped passes. But Utah dictated that BYU need to beat them throwing the ball. So Robert and I, the offensive coordinator, called plays that put receivers in man coverage in position to make catches, and too often the ball hit them in the hands and they dropped it, or the ball didn't come in accurately enough to give them a good chance. And so until they can get the physical mechanics of completing a forward pass down, then they really will be limited on offense. After the game, offensive coordinator Robert and I mentioned that it is a young group and it will take a little bit of time. How much time can Cougar fans realistically expect for this uh, to develop into what BYU hopes it is? You know, that, that's hard to say because there's, the effort is there. They're, they're trying really, really hard. The question is, are they good enough? And at some point, that's the, the question that, or that's the, one of the things that the staff is trying to figure out. Who is good enough to make all this work? And what they're doing from a scheme standpoint is not complicated. As a matter of fact, it's, it's rather simplified. So you don't need to be some brilliant uh, processor of schemes to be able to do well at this. It's not physically demanding from the standpoint of the skills required. What it is demanding of, though, is that you execute basic fundamentals reliably every time. And BYU was only 5 of 21 for third downs, right? So they... They, they were they were very poor at converting third downs, but the uh, biggest reason for that is that they kept on throwing incomplete passes on first and second downs, and they ended up in third and long so much. And once again, I think Utah you have to give credit to for their game plan. They Utah has a lot of corners. They actually have more cornerbacks on their roster than most other teams do because they like to have a lot of man-to-man coverage which allows them then to attack the line of scrimmage with the extra safety. And that's what they did against BYU. So there was man coverage left and right all over the place, and BYU just couldn't get it done. And 
Cody Hoffman had a lot of catches. Yeah, I think he catches for over 100 yards. He was magnificent. Uh, but too many of the other guys, and we're not talking just one or two guys dropping passes. We're talking most people contributed to this. Uh, couldn't hang on to it. And so when will it get better, to answer your question? You know, I don't know. They've got to be good enough to throw an accurate pass and catch the pass when it's there. And, uh, and it remains to be seen whether this group can actually do that. Trevor, I know you're good friends with Robert and I, played with him on that 84 National Championship team, and have great respect for him and his ability as an offensive coordinator. And his resume speaks for itself. Do you? That being said, do you like the go-fast, go-hard option for BYU football, given the personnel that they have right now? Yes. As a matter of fact, I like it better, given the personnel that they have right now, because it's an equalizer. You can take personnel that, that's okay, and you can compete against defensive personnel that's clearly superior. And part of the reason is to go fast, go hard. The schemes, you know, once again, are, are simple. But when you look at Oregon and the way they do it, uh, when you look at Oklahoma State and the way they do it with their up-tempo, uh, they're not running complicated schemes. What they're doing is actually very simple. In the case of Oregon, they're just running zone and they're running sweeps. That's the running game. That's it. But they do it at a very high pace, and they do it with great execution. But that's a mature system that's been in place for a long time now, and the people that become starters in Oregon system have practiced it over and over and over again for years before they become starters most of the time. BYU now is instituting this this way for the first time. And so the execution isn't there yet. But when you've got average talent, it gives you a chance to compete. When you have talent like Oregon that's superior talent, it gives you a chance to dominate. So uh, the, the flashes that we've seen so far this year from this offense have been, I think, very, very encouraging from a scheme standpoint. Now they've got to execute it. And, again, it's not terribly difficult to execute mentally. It's difficult to execute with consistency, and that's what they need to get up to do. It's always tough when you do enough to win a game and from our perspective and looking at the stats, BYU did enough, gave themselves enough chances to beat Utah on Saturday, getting into the Blue Zone five times, but only came away with 13 points. What's your uh, understanding and take on their lack of efficiency inside the 20-yard line? Well, that's where small mistakes get magnified because the Utah's defense crowded the line of scrimmage in the big field. And all of a sudden you get down into the red zone and it becomes that much more crowded and that much more difficult. And if, if you can't get the ball to your big receivers so they can at least try to win a jump ball down there, then what you have to do is mash through an overcrowded defensive front. And that's difficult to do. It all gets opened up by opening up the passing game. And there was a point during the game in the first half that Robert and I started calling a, a series of many pass plays in a row. And it, it, a lot of the routes were vertical routes that were quick hitting. You'd see a wide receiver, a tight end, a back. They just go straight up the field or nearly straight up the field, and the ball would come out quickly. The defensive back would be in a trail position. The ball would be in front, and he'd hit him in the hands, and he'd drop it. Or the ball would be slightly behind where it could be defended and not quite that accurate. But, but the opportunity was there. And that's why I think when they watch – that game tape today, they'll just be sick to their stomachs. It's one thing to get beat by a better player. I understand that. They're good, too. It's one thing to get beat by a, a program 
whose systems are more mature than yours, and certainly their defensive system is more mature than this offensive system for BYU, which is just being installed this year. That's okay. But if the opportunity is there and you just fail to finish the plays, that's where you're sick because now you know you should have won that game, and especially Utah, especially Utah. If they just come out and whip you, well, hey, they whipped you. Give them credit. But if you gave it to them because you couldn't finish plays that were there to be finished, that's where you're just sick. And I'm still sick about it. I mean, I I shouldn't be, but I am. I'm sick about that loss. I'm sick about it because it was Utah. Utah. And it was the drop passes and the inaccuracies on things that should have been easier to finish that I that are the reason for my being sick about it. I don't blame the kids because they're kids. They'll get better, but the opportunities were there. Absolutely. Trevor Maddich from ESPN joining us. Unforced errors, no fun. So looking forward, Middle Tennessee, uh, some talent but won't, won't be particularly challenging, in my opinion, to BYU. And so I don't, I don't think that if, if BYU's offense is just explosive and awesome on Friday, that necessarily tells us where BYU's at against the more challenging teams. I think that when BYU plays Utah State, we're going to find out what BYU's made of. Your thoughts on the next couple of weeks for BYU? Well, you're right about that. I mean, after Middle Tennessee, there's a murderer's row. Check out these five games. At Utah State, Georgia Tech, at Houston, Boise, at Wisconsin. Oh, boy. Yikes. Now, yeah, Middle Tennessee's actually 3-1. and one. Now, they haven't, they haven't, you know, beat anybody that you'd say are great teams. They beat Western Carolina, Memphis, and Florida Atlantic. But, but what we'll learn about BYU here is not can they, are they physically better than Middle Tennessee. They, they are. What you'll learn is how does the operation look? In other words, when there's a receiver open, is the ball in a position where the receiver can make a play on it? That's important. And even if the receiver is wide open, still, does he have to stop to catch the ball, or does he catch it on the run? For the receivers, when the ball's within reach and they can get both hands on it, do they pull it in? Those are the two things that I want to see against Middle Tennessee. And whether or not the Blue Raiders have the athletes to – to stay close to the BYU receivers. I Cody Hoffman should dominate the fields, right? But whether or not they do, that's not my point. The thing I'm looking for is, does BYU look good in the operation of the passing game in terms of relative accuracy of the ball and, when the, and will the receiver catch it? If they don't do that, they will be in a whole lot of trouble because they will remain a one-dimensional offense and you can't beat a good team that way. But they have a, a lot of ability to improve. I mean, look how much the running game improved from the Virginia game to the second game against Texas. There was a massive improvement in the running game. Now, the reason it didn't dominate against Utah was primarily because Utah cheated. They weren't sound on defense. They played pure man coverage and overloaded the box in a way that a good passing game would have torched. So we saw improvement in the running game from week one to week two. What we need to see now is improvement in the passing game from week three to week four. And against Middle Tennessee, if they don't improve, it'll be time to, to worry a little bit. Matt, it's Monday. Never disappoints. Trevor, we appreciate your passion and knowledge of the game. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, guys. All right, Jerem. Boy, there's just no getting around it. Uh, BYU did enough to win the game, but as Trevor Maddich just told us, they did not make the plays, and they're going to be sick about it when they watch That makes the him film. sick. Yeah, he was he was emphatic. That's a that's a former Cougars pain coming out through his voice. And uh, 
a guy who I loved his breakdowns of where BYU needs to improve, and it's got to be in the passing game. And BYU's got to execute at a really high level against Middle Tennessee, or it doesn't look good going into Utah State. But I, I expect BYU to be much better. I know it sounds simple, but really, completing 50% of your passes, you're most likely 3-0. and Oh, yeah? It's oh, that simple. Maybe, let's be honest, maybe 40. That's just a couple more completions. Jamal Williams, no interception there. Maybe a throw or two here in the red zone against Utah. The blue zone, that is. Yeah, 40%. Uh, it's, it's tough. 50 should be baby food. We should be talking about 60. Coming up, the Cougar whip around, a poll update, and today's rise and shout. Plus more your tweets. This is BYU Sports Nation. Now, here's the Cougar whip around. Back on BYU Sports Nation, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Let's whip it! Basketball. The men's basketball team's hosting the inaugural Boom Shakalaka, the BYU Basketball Showcase. I'm serious, that's the name of it. On Friday, October 18th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time in the Smith Fieldhouse and on BYU TV, Boom Shakalaka. will feature a dunk contest, three-point shootout, and skills competition. You want to see Eric Mika throw down, trust me. Friday, October 18th, 9 p.m. Eastern on BYU TV. Be there or watch it on TV. You won't regret it. Soccer. The women's soccer team lost 1-0 at Long Beach State on Saturday night. The 49ers scoring on a free kick in the 13th minute and held on to upset the 11th-ranked Cougars. An up-and-down week for BYU soccer, who overcame a two-goal deficit in the final seven minutes to beat Oklahoma on Thursday, and then they lose. The Cougars fall to 5-2-1 and one after Saturday's loss. They'll host number 14 Denver in a huge matchup this Thursday. Women's volleyball. Denver's ranked 14th? Wow. Women's volleyball, following an exceptional week by the women's volleyball team featuring wins against previously undefeated Utah and a sweep against second-ranked San Diego to open conference play. The Cougars host St. Mary's and Pacific, conference newcomer, Thursday and Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern on BYU TV. Spencer Linton is busy filling out his women's volleyball play-by-play boards right now. Absolutely. They've won 16 matches in a row at home in the Smith Fieldhouse. A sweep of the second-ranked team in the country. I mean, it was, it was electric. That was awesome. That was awesome. it was a great it was a great week for the Olympic sports uh, until soccer lost on Saturday but that comeback against Oklahoma sweet women's volleyball two great matches it yeah, was a good week winning at Utah and then sweeping San Diego it was again, great week great week tomorrow Blaine Fowler tells us well he gives us his take on what BYU needs to do from here on to get better now also we have Jeff Benedict co-author of the system the glory and scandal of big-time college football. That'll be on Wednesday and then later in the week, Middle Tennessee quarterback Logan Kilgore and their head coach Rick Stockstill. Today's rise and shouts goes to the women's volleyball team, as mentioned, beat previously undefeated Utah in second-ranked San Diego yesterday, or uh, Saturday. BYU doesn't play on Sunday. Wait a minute. They almost did Saturday night. Yeah, They got close. Let's uh, get to some of the tweets at Cougar Stats in, uh, in reference to our poll question. Oh, let's get final results on BYUTVSports.com. After the loss to Utah, where do you want to see the most improvement out of, the, out of uh, BYU? And the winner is passing game, followed by blue zone production, offensive line, and create turnovers. A tweet or two at Cougar Stats. Pass efficiency. It's at 73. needs to be at least double that number. Wow. At UR Classless. Passing game. At CDR, the bots. Winning. 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 At Rudy Boy. Completions to 50% or higher. It alone will boost Hill's uh, PER. Second is play calling on first and second down. Too many third and longs. 
Big thanks to our guests, Trevor Maddich and Brian Logan, and everyone on our BYU Sports Nation crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, BYU radio station manager Don Chaline, production assistants Alan Miller and Spencer King. They do it well. And our engineer, Aaron Evans. Check out our archived episodes of the show on BYU Radio's YouTube channel every afternoon. And how about a quick rise and shout to Ziggy Onsen. Seven tackles for the Lions yesterday, including a forced fumble. Booyah! You have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. For Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. Have a great day.